Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord, everyone. What a delight and a privilege it is to be with you today and to feel the great presence of the Lord that is here. And uh, always such a privilege. I had the privilege of being here, I don't know, it's been three or four years ago. And just a, a great honor to be with you again today. Uh, appreciate your dear pastor and his family. They are dear friends of mine, and I, I am grateful for the opportunity to call them friends. And uh, had the privilege of serving uh, with them in North American Missions. They did such an outstanding job here in the district for many years, and uh, we do miss them. Uh, but uh, certainly appreciate their years of labor, and I'm excited about what God is doing here. Uh, there are great things and great days in store, and uh, every day is a new day. And uh, you know, I, I am reminded today of how blessed we are to be in the house of God, to have a place to come. And, and those words mean more to me probably today uh, than they have been for several years because, you know, I, I, uh, my father-in-law pastors in Panama City, Florida. And maybe you've heard a little bit about that in the news the last few days. Uh, there are seven churches in Florida that have been catastrophically damaged. Um, and that means there are seven communities. In fact, those churches are positioned in communities where there is only two United Pentecostal churches in Panama City. Both of them have sustained damage where it will be months before they'll be able to enter into their congregations again. And, um, you know, just uh, no hospitals now. The hospitals are shut down. All kinds. Can you imagine how the chaos of that would take place and how blessed we are that we can walk into a sanctuary today and to feel the presence of the Lord in this place? And uh, I, I do ask that you would be in prayer for those that are there. Many of them are getting pink slips, notifications from their jobs. They no longer even have a place to go to work. And uh, many have damages in their homes as well. Well, and so just just be in prayer for that area of Florida, and then of course I know there's two I think in Georgia um, that have had damage as well, and so a lot of things happening in our world. But when you see these signs come to pass, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Amen. And uh, uh, you have your Bibles, and would turn with me to the Book of John, chapter two, verse number six. Uh, John 2, 6 through 10, we're going to read, and uh, I recognize that you don't have a screen, but it is good to hear the pages of Bibles turning, and uh, it's always great to have. I appreciate, I am thankful for this great book, because this book is capable of changing people's lives, and it doesn't matter what you come from today, what circumstance, what situation in your life. You have come to the right place because in one moment, everything can change. And uh, what a thankful opportunity we have for that. John chapter 2, verse 6. And there were set there six water pots of stone. After the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins. Now, I know everybody knows what a firkin is, right? It's about 20 or 30 gallons of water in each one of those uh, pots. And he said, Jesus saith to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, 
and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drank, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. Would you bow your heads? Lord Jesus, thank you for the great word, the power, and the demonstration of your spirit. I pray, Lord, today that you would touch every heart. Bring us, O oh God, into a place that you would desire for us to be. Pour out your spirit upon this place, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, for those of you who are wondering, we are but a mere few weeks, weeks away from Christmas. Of course, immediately following Christmas, we have this swap of terminology. Up to that point, it's, and thankful there has been a resurgence of this, happy, instead of just happy holidays, it's Merry Christmas. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? But then from that point, we, we make this swap. It's just a few days we have to just turn the page and say, okay, we've been given gifts, we've uh, received and we've given gifts. And so now we're going to go from that and we're going to switch gears and we're going to go into this season where for just a few days we begin to say happy new year. And we, one another, we reference that and we talk about this thing called Happy New Year. And yet this, this term Happy New Year, it's, I don't really believe we necessarily mean exactly what it says. I think we mean more or less Happy New You. Because you see, that's really what we try to do. We set resolutions and, you know, they uh, don't really last very long. And we, you know, join gyms and we start diets. And one friend of mine the other day told me, he said, I am an overachiever. He said, I finished an eight-week diet in two days and three hours. And we, we, we establish this time, of course, is a time where we really anticipate somehow that next year will somehow be better than our present year. Hoping that next year or that something will be, in fact, there's an entire website devoted to this concept. It's called futureme.org and it's where you can write an email to yourself to be sent to yourself at some distant time in the future. In fact, one year from now, you can get an email from yourself. Some of the past emails that have been sent and received, one said, dear future me, first and foremost, I hope you're still alive. He said, I hope that you are still financially independent. He said, I hope that you finally find that happiness you've been seeking for so long. Isn't it ironic? They're independent financially, but they've never found happiness. He said, I, I hope I've made leaps and bounds to get us to this place. I hope you've made the most of it. Another one said, dear future me, hello, this is you talking to you. He said, I hope you do as I wished you would have done, been a good father and son. But as of now, life is okay. He said, but he said, I'm starting to put my life in danger with all these gangs and I'm not sure how it's all gonna work out. Another one said, dear future me, a year ago today, you were a little lonely. 
You were frustrated, you were unhealthy, and you were sad. Up to that point, that year had not been good to you. He said, I, as you wrote this, you had a headache, a backache, a sore neck, and fingers that smelled like cigarette smoke, and went on to express how hopefully next year and that year, their future self would somehow be better than their present self. Some would scold, but most would simply dream that somehow the the hope of their future self was better than their present self. Can I tell you today that the only hope that you have in this life and the hope that you have in the future is going to to be found in this book and found in Christ. You see, the only way you can get a future that is secured is to secure it in Christ. In Christ, I am a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. It is in him that I received hope. You see, the Bible talks about this first miracle that we read about here moments ago. It's Jesus performing this first miracle. He's at a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and there is a need. And Jesus, the Bible says, turned water into wine. Now, let me talk about and digress for just a moment because I am so thankful for that great Bible lesson we heard from the pastor here this morning. But let me just tell you that grape juice was drunk in that day, and it did ferment. However, it was because of the lack of refrigeration in that time period and the purpose was not to get it to ferment uh, like it is today and there are dangers in fact the word of God clearly speaks uh, and I am thankful for the clear sound of abstinence uh, against the alcohol use and some say well Jesus turned water into wine well let me give clarity and I want to digress just for a moment to explain this the Bible does warn over and over about alcohol in fact 17 times uh, there are warning against the abuse of alcohol, 19 examples of its abuse. Churches are warned three times not to elevate anyone prone to drunkenness. Solomon speaks out against it in Proverbs 23, 31 through 33. In other words, I don't believe the real point of this text was that Jesus turned water into wine. I believe there's something better in regard to this. I believe the real point was that Jesus took something that was ordinary and he made it extraordinary. He took something that was common and he made it uncommon. Can I tell somebody here today, the future you can be much better than the present you. You see, though it seems like all may be lost at the moment. Can I tell you the writer gives us great detail about this great miracle. In fact, as we look at the miracle, we find the Bible says that there were six vessels. Those vessels were made of stone and those vessels contained water in each of them, about 20 or 30 gallons, in fact, of water in each of them. It, it, it's remarkable to note that there is much detail about this particular miracle. Compare it to the very essence of the great element that he created all things. In fact, all we get about the galaxy being created is, oh yeah, he created the stars also. Now if I was God, I think I would have wanted a little more, I would have put a little more descriptive elements. I mean, you know, I think I could make the stars being created sound pretty great. And he stood back with a loud booming voice and power and thunder in his voice and lightning in his eyes. And come on now. But all we get, moonlit stars and 
countless numbers. You see it all, the magnificent beauty. Oh, that, yeah, he did that too. That's it. That's all we get. But yet in this first miracle, we get something very special. In this first miracle, we find clearly spoken that there were six vessels and they were made of stone and they contained water, about 20 or 30 gallons of water in each of them. And in that, could it be a message in that great element of the detail? For you see, when I begin to compare that to something that I know, I do know that the number of man is six. And I do know that man was created on the sixth day. And I do know there were pots. And I know that, that they, they were of stone. And that man was created from the dust of the earth. And I do understand that about 60 or 70% of the body is made up of water. And the weight of 20 or 30 gallons of water is between 165 and 225 pounds. Which just so happens to be the average weight of a man. Could it be that there was a great detail in what he was giving to us? Could it be that the, perhaps uh, the purpose of Jesus turning water to wine was not to say that I can simply do that, uh, but to simply say uh, that I can transform an ordinary vessel into something that is fit for the master's use. Uh, hey, uh, I'm here today to tell you he can turn uh, you uh, into something better. Uh, it is time today to understand there can be uh, and there will be a happy new you today. You see, it's no great leap to consider that the word of God compares us to vessels. In fact, if you look into the Corinthians uh, for 4 and 7, Paul says we have treasure in earthly vessels, speaking of our bodies. Second uh, Timothy 2.20 said we can have vessels of honor and we can have vessels of dishonor, speaking of our lives. First Thessalonians 4 and 4, we're commanded to possess our vessels uh, in sanctification and honor. Uh, in fact, that scripture teaches over and over that our cup can be run running over or it can be empty that life like a vessel can be marred and broken that life like a vessel can be abused and used but can I tell you that just as Jeremiah made that trip to the potter's house he found out that life though it can be marred yet life like a vessel can be made over again and can be transformed I'm talking to somebody today you've been used you've been abused you feel hopeless you feel like there's no way out. But can I tell you, today is the day. It's time for a happy new you today. You see... In the book of Jeremiah, we find uh, as God is speaking to the prophet and takes him to the potter's meal, uh, and he says to the prophet, uh, can I not do for you uh, what the potter does for the vessel? Uh, can I not remake you? Uh, can I not change you? Uh, you may have been born one way, but it's time to be born again another way. Uh, it's time to be transformed and changed. Jesus... He shows up at a wedding. Something always goes wrong at weddings. You can plan, you can anticipate, but something is going to go wrong. It's like the bride, I understand, who was so nervous and scared to death. The pastor was trying to console her a little bit. So he told the best man, he said, I want you to read 1 John 4, 18. Of course, he knew it spoke of perfect love that casts out all fear. 
what he didn't fully understand is the best man was probably as nervous as the bride that day. And so he got a little mixed up. And instead of reading 1 John 4.18, he read John 4.18. It said, you have five husbands and the now, one you now have is not your husband. Something always goes wrong at weddings. There's no perfect weddings. Can I tell you, the Bible says they ran out of wine. They ran out of stuff to drink. Life can grow empty. It's really the paradox of the modern day life in which we live. You can have hundreds and sometimes thousands of friends on social media and yet feel more lonely than you've ever felt in your entire life. Can I tell you, how would your letter read to your future? How would you read it if your present doesn't match your hopes, then you're out of wine. You see, maybe you, you know, let's, let's be honest. Life never ends up the way we anticipate it to end up. You may feel like that archaeologist, that student archaeologist that one day woke up and to his horror realized that his entire career was in ruins Wouldn't that be bad? All right. Probably shouldn't tell this. I hope at any time a preacher prefaces that, he probably shouldn't do it. But, you know, it's like the frog that asked the fortune teller. And I know we don't believe in fortune tellers, but we don't believe in talking frogs either. So can I have just a little leeway here? What's my future? Whatever. He said, well... See your future, a lovely, beautiful woman. It's going to just, they're going to, she's going to love you. Be so, so, so consumed with knowing all about you. Want to get close to you. That frog couldn't hardly stand. He said, where am I going to meet her? Well, the answer wasn't what he anticipated. Biology class. Sorry. Can I turn it off? Can you hear me? All right. He said, he said, where, where am I going to learn a meter, a biology class? You know, and of course the whole, anyway, never mind. Frog. Life doesn't end up the way we anticipate it to end up. It never, it never really works the way we anticipate it to work. And yet, can I tell somebody here today that a better life awaits you? There is a change that is on the horizon. I don't care how bad it may seem or how hopeless it may be. Can I tell somebody that Philippians 1, 6, Paul speaks to the Philippian church and says this, being confident in this one thing, that he which began a a good work in you can perform it under the day of Christ. You've got to believe that God is able, that God is willing, that God wants to show up today and say it doesn't matter how bad it may seem. It's a happy new you. It's a transformation. If I can change water to wine, I can change you and transform you. And I start focusing on the new pots. Forget the old pots. Quit looking at the old vessels. Say goodbye to the old Jew. Bury those problems. Get ready. Hope is on the way. 
you got to look at that great champion that is inside you. Remember, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's the transformation that comes through us. It's blind Bartimaeus when you hear Jesus on the street cry out, Thou son of David, have mercy upon me. It's the Samaritan woman. He's at the well. Get moving. Jesus is there. And when you come in contact with him, it's going to transform you in a way. You're going to come. Come see this man who has told me all things. He's transformed everything in me. It's the men that got to the house and realize there was no way in and yet uh, we've got to try the roof uh, tear the roof off the place get in the house Jesus is there and when we get there we're going to walk away saying we've never seen it on a fashion like we have today it's Corey Tinboom that once said never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God you see that change That transformation, everybody notices it. It's not something you can hide. Your friends will see it. Your neighbors will notice. There's something different about you. You know, it's like the man who was from a very rural area. He had never, you know, he had never really been to any place where they had elevators. And uh, he was just an elderly man. He went to big city and He's at the big city and he's, you know, it's amazing how women, they can just find them all. So they were at the, the mall. He found himself where most men find themselves at malls, a place to sit and watch people go by. It just so happened he was across from an elevator and there was a moment that he watched as this elderly lady, and all due respect, an elderly lady is having a little hard time getting around, and she kind of, kind of hobbled into the elevator and pushed the button, and the door shut. He watched as numbers started appearing up above that her or that that box that she just got in, and then in a few moments later, the door opened again. And out of the door stepped this young, beautiful, attractive young girl. He was overheard saying, son, go get your mom. I have a feeling when she got there, she said, if that does that, you're getting in this thing here with me. But you see, the change is coming. Everybody will notice the change. Everybody will notice the disposition. Everybody will notice that smile where there was sadness, the joy where there was gloominess, the the hope where there was once hopelessness. It is a transforming power of God. Can I tell you what God touches? He always transforms and changes. He always changes and makes it better. It's the Gadareans that saw it. It was the demoniac that was unclothed out of his mind running through the tombs, a madman as he was. But one day he came in contact with the one called master. And when he came in contact with the master, something happened so glorious and so powerfully that it totally transformed 
transformed him until the next time they saw him, they saw him clothed in his right mind, totally transformed, not living among the tomb, but living among the natural. Can I tell somebody, it's time. It's time for a happy new you today. But you see, I recognize and understand how some of us feel at times. You see, it's kind of like that, that old scripture says, he said, we, we go to the, the potter's field and we go to the, the potter's house and we see that he said, can I not do for you what the potter does for the vessel? But we, you see, sometimes we find ourselves in discarded moments on the potter's field. You see, a potter has a place where in the event that the pottery is not what it should be, a imperfection, a break, it's discarded because a normal potter can't redo what's already been solidified. So they just throw it on the potter's heap. But can I tell somebody today that under the sound of my voice a few moments ago as we began to worship the Lord, there's a master potter that walked into this house today and he's walking up and down these aisles and he's looking at this one and that one. And oh, if you'll just notice what he's done is he's gone to the potter's field and this is a master potter. He's unlike any other potter. He does what no other potter can do for you see, he's not looking at just the new pieces of clay, brother Kylie. He's looking at the broken pieces and he's what he's doing is something far different than any other potter would do. He's picking up that piece. I want to get a hold of this piece. I, I want to, oh, oh, this one's over here and it's been abused and it's been used and oh, but you know what? That's the perfect piece. And he picks up that piece. I'm talking about him picking up pieces of our lives. But oh, something miraculous happens. For you see, if we'll just go along the journey, we'll find out that the next place he wants to take us to is may not the most, maybe not the most comfortable place to be. For you see, when you've been used, broken, and abused, the altar sometimes is an intimidating place to be. Because there, the exposure of who you are begins to come out. Not to everyone else, but to you and God. And you recognize your your inadequacies you recognize your inabilities but all oh, something glorious begins to take place because it's at that altar where he says here's what I want to do it's not going to be comfortable but it's going to be special because he starts at the altar grinding us into fine powder that's a place called Repentance, a place where what we don't fully understand is we are losing the identity of the old man. Through the painful process of him grinding the old things into fine powder. We all, oh, I don't like that process, Brother Hobson. That's not what I come here for. But oh, if you'll just go with it and allow him to take out the broken pieces and grind them into fine powder, what he's doing is he's causing that old identity to be destroyed and moved aside. But about the time you're really uncomfortable with that, all of a sudden you begin to hear the flow, the rush of the blood of Calvary as it flows down to 
2,000 years into the future and it touches you and that precious anointing begins to cover you and all of a sudden what was now just dirt was formerly broken pieces of clay now begin to begin to be molded again and mud begins to appear. What is it? It's the miraculous demonstration of the power of God taking you back to where he can now mold you and he can shape you and he can transform you say not me I can never be no you can in your present state but can I tell you today is a day where he wants to say it's a happy new you today can can I not turn water into wine can I not change that which is common and make it uncommon can I not transform the broken into a beautiful piece of pottery yes he can today and as he begins to mold and shape and rework all of a sudden the old imperfections are no longer there but the new hope and the new joy and the new peace can I tell somebody today the potter walked in the house and he's telling you the same message that he told the prophet so long ago can I not do for you yes you what the potter has done for the clay would you stand with me today there is that old song I sang so long ago in our little children's church that we had as I grew up. There was that, that, that little song. And I don't even know if these are really the right words, but this is what we used to sing it. It said, give them all, give them all, give them all to Jesus. Shattered dreams, wounded hearts. And then we used to sing broken toys. Is that the way you all sang it too? You know, we didn't really care if those were the right words. I guess they mean they were. I guess the songwriter knew something about kids. Because at that point, we didn't have a lot to give. But we knew everything about broken toys. It was the Stretch Armstrong that my nephew took who was my age and decided to figure if he was strong and he was able to be stretched, he should be certainly able to be poked with a screw. Didn't work out so good for Stretch Armstrong. Green stuff started showing up and parents got worried and, you know, Stretch became splat, and splat became garbage. And but that age, I kind of, I kind of wanted my Stretch Armstrong. But you're sitting in the altar, and somebody's singing, "Give them all, give them all." You see, it's like the age-old adage: puppy love is real to a puppy. Toys are real to a kid. But really, in our young state, God was teaching us that through that little song. And I wonder if we could kind of go back to the simplicity of it all today.
give them all, give them all, give them all to Jesus. Shattered dreams, wounded hearts, broken toys. Give them all, give them all, give them all to Jesus. And he will turn your sorrows into joy. Oh, there's the message of the song. Just just go ahead and just take the broken pieces and lay them at the altar and give it all to him. And doesn't matter how chaotic, doesn't matter how how insignificant to some it may seem. It's you. It's real to you. Whatever the problem, whatever the struggle, just, just come to this day, the altar, and say, God, you know, it, coming up on Happy New Year, but really, God, what I'm really looking for is a happy new me. It's a happy new you today. And I wonder today, if there's some things that people would like to come today and bring those broken, shattered pieces and let him begin to remold and shape. I'm opening this altar up this morning. I believe the presence of the Lord is here. I believe there's people here that you could receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost today. You say, what's that? It's when God comes and lives inside of you. It's when the power of God transforms you. The first step, it's, it's a place, as I've already mentioned, called repentance. It's where you say, God, I'm sorry for my life. I'm sorry for the things that I've done. And, you know, it's, I want to turn away from those. I want you to grind those things out of me right now, God. Change me. As a little boy, and I'm... I'm, 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 I'm I'm, I'm through, but as a little boy, I remember one day walking out of the house and mom saying, Bill, you can go outside, but don't you get dirty. We're going to be eating dinner soon. You got your school clothes on. Don't get dirty. Okay, mom. Well, I didn't get dirty. I got filthy. I didn't throw the mud ball the first round. But it had been raining and one of my buddies did. And Well, you get hit, you just got to throw something back. Mom, he started it. Was it my idea? Well, aren't we good at that? I remember getting called for dinner and the sheer panic in my mom's eyes. And then the terror in my eyes. It's the realization that I might not live through the next few moments. Then the only part of me that was even remotely clean was the part where my tears began to come out of my eyes. Because I knew it was over. I was going to die. And after a period of repentance, I'll never forget my mom saying, 
It's all right. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not going to kill you. I want to, but I'm not. And I would spank you, but I really don't want to even get the belt dirty. And after the repentance, I started to walk into the house. And mom said, stop. You aren't coming in this house looking like that. You need to go get that hose out. And I don't want to see you. I mean, the food is getting cold, but I don't want to see you till you get all that stuff off of you. And that's what happens when we come to God. That repentance that says, oh, God says, you know what? Repentance. The little blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, I believe, is sprinkled and applied to our lives. But it's not enough. He says, you got to go get clean. And where do you get clean? Baptismal, right over there. That's where you get clean, where you get all the junk off your life. And he said, you know what? Not only am I going to forgive you, but I'm going to wash you. I'm going to change you. I'm going to re-establish you. And then he said, now that you're clean, I'm going to just fill you with my spirit. Repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Who is it promised to? It's to you, your children, and all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call anybody, whosoever will, let him come. Drink of the waters of life freely. Maybe you've already had the Holy Ghost, but there's some brokenness in your life. Won't you come too today? Because we're just going to sing this little song today and we're going to open this altar. And I believe there's all of us need to just, it doesn't matter where you're at in life. If everything is going great, you just come too. What I found is everything can be normal today and you can have a category five hurricane hit you tomorrow. Everything can be fine now and life totally transformed. So why don't we join each other today and give them all, give them all, give them all to Jesus. Would you join with me? Let's come to the altar today. Broken toys, give them all, give them all. Give them all to Jesus, and He will turn your sorrows into joy. Hallelujah. Let's, let's worship the Lord right here. The presence of the Lord is here. I need some folks that will pray with some people here right now. I need the presence of the Lord to touch. It's here. His power is here. His grace, His mercy is here. Come on, let's respond to the presence of the Lord right now. He's here. That's it. It's a happy new you. It's a total transformation right now that God... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, 
please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.